Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. So a woman called me up, I'd say about a year ago, and she said she wanted help finding her soulmate. I mean, this is often the case when people call me. And as I always do, I got a good history on her, uh, her dating experience, and of course her upbringing. And we came up with a plan and how I was going to help her. And so right about you know, around the time we were going to begin and I was processing her payment and we have a plan, she drops a bomb. She said to me in that moment, there's something that I haven't told you. I said, oh, well, what is that? She's like, well, I'm kind of dating somebody right now, but I want to let him go. I want to get rid of him. And I still want to date guys, I just can't get rid of this guy. And she said she couldn't let him go, even though she knew he was toxic for her. And she told me he was highly critical. He put her down all the time. He was emotionally unavailable. And he was what I call an intermittent reinforcer. You know the ones. Those are the guys that just do enough to keep you in it right? It's like the crumbs where you think it's going to turn into the cake at some point, and lo and behold, it never does. And it never turns into anything that you want. So that's what she was holding on to. Anyway, she said that they were broken up and she wanted to date. And so then I asked her, well, how much is he still a part of you know, your life. And she proceeded to tell me, well, they texted, they social media stalked each other. Sometimes they even saw each other. And then I asked her a really important question. I asked her, what is keeping you in this? You obviously know that it's not good for you, but something about it is keeping you in it. And she laughed nervously and admitted that she really didn't know. She said that she actually tends to do this in other parts of her life, that she stays in things too long in general, and that it's hard for her to quit anything. In essence, in her mind, she might be seen as a failure if she gave up on something that she spent so much time and emotional investment on. So you see, it wasn't the fear of letting go of him but it was letting go of the investment and the success of a relationship because she was successful in every other area of her life. She was very, you know, highly successful in her business and, and, you know, being a mom and all of that stuff. So in her mind, walking away felt like a failure. And although the fear that she claimed was true, I, of course, you know me by now, I dug even more. I told her, that by not feeling the pain of the loss, she was also avoiding feeling altogether. So staying in something in her mind was better than feeling the pain. And at that point she cried and she admitted to doing this in many areas of her life. And there was a long pause and then I told her flat out, I wanna help you And I'm going to create a dating plan and you are going to be dating up a storm, but we cannot do that until you get rid of this guy. And I mean cold turkey. You essentially have to quit the relationship. And I could hear almost her heart dropping on the other line. And then she said, well, I I know I need to do that in my head. I just can't do this 
by myself. And so I told her I'd help her. And that's where we started. We came up with a crisis plan to quit her ex-addiction so that she could win a new relationship. And I'm happy to say that after quitting it, dating up a storm, she is now in a healthy relationship. In fact, I just got an email from her last week and she said how happy she is and she can't even believe what it feels like to be in this kind of healthy relationship. So you see, staying in things too long and the fear of letting go is one of the most common challenges so many have. And usually it's a result of being attached to something for a period of time so that the fear of the unknown, you know, it's what life would be without it. That's what we're avoiding. We're also avoiding feeling the pain, even though, and here's the irony of it all, even though you are avoiding something you're already experiencing, (laughs) you're already in pain, but yet we're avoiding being in pain. So it's almost like an oxymoron. I mean, the consequences of not making that leap might be a lifetime of regrets. In fact, when we let go or we quit, we actually fly. And with me on the line today is someone who believes and teaches that quitters actually win to talk more about this today. She is badass. She is, okay, check this out. She's a physician and an attorney. What? I can't wait to talk about that. Speaker, author, and more importantly, a lifelong quitter. As the founder of Quitting by Design, she is on a mission to help people carve out a successful life through strategic quitting. I love this. Since her big quit at the age of 21, she discovered the power of quitting and her new book, Quitting by Design. And it teaches readers how to maximize the benefits and minimize the challenges associated with major life changes. Welcome, Lynn Marie Morski. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. I couldn't wait to have this conversation. Like this is, okay, before anything else, how does one become a physician and an attorney? Like, how do you even have time? And you're young. I don't get it. I am. Yeah, you are. (laughs) I saw your picture. Like, you're not 80. I mean, I mean, that's amazing. Uh, That's young. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wait, do you still practice though? I practice medicine, yes. And law, I taught, and now I only do it pro bono on the side in election law. So I never actually practiced law, I just taught it. Oh, got it. No, that, that's super cool. Well, I, I was really interested, more importantly, what was in your bio was that whole notion of, you know, quitting by design. And, and obviously, you said you're a lifelong quitter. I would love to hear how you got into this whole thing. Well, I'll give you the shortest version possible. So I wasn't always a doctor or lawyer. I started off as a <laughs> multimedia designer back in St. Louis, Missouri. Now I live uh-huh. in San Diego, California. And it was a series of quits that got me from that place to where I am now, you know, to medical school, residency, fellowship, law school. I was in a startup. I taught law. I did all kinds of things over that essentially like 20 year period. And one day I realized like, you know, these are great. And essentially anything I've set my mind out to, I've been able to accomplish to some degree, but none Mm -hmm. of them were things that I woke up in the morning, super stoked to do. And I was listening to a podcast um, on Tim Ferriss's podcast, Seth Godin, the author was on. And Mm -hmm. he just talked about, I don't know if I should really go back and re-listen to it. It might've been an episode like finding your calling or I don't know what it is, but something 
about that, you know, finding the thing you were meant to do, he said, ask your friends what you're meant to do. What do they think of when they think of you? So I get out of the tub where, I'm, where I was listening to it, go over to Facebook and put like, hey guys, uh, what do you think I should be doing? And uh, a friend of mine saw it and said like, hey, let's get together and we'll have coffee and we'll discuss it. I was like, oh, random. Okay, cool. And as I'm waiting for him in the parking lot, I put, I had a little book with me and on one piece of paper, I wrote things I'm good at. And the other piece, I wrote things I like to do. I'm guessing I had seen there somewhere on the interwebs, like that's a thing you do to find your calling. And <laughs> on the things that I was good at, I put public speaking, giving advice, helping others, or no, no, sorry, that was things I like to do, public speaking and advice and helping. And then on the top of the things I was good at page, I wrote quitting. And it had just come out, like when huh. you put your pen to paper, funny things come out. I yeah. had done my law school graduation speech on the power of strategic quitting. And, and I didn't come up with this out of nowhere. Like I heard a uh, Freakonomics episode from 2000, the upside of quitting. And when I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, everything they're saying about quitting is everything I've always thought about it, but nobody else has ever like discussed this with me or put economic terms to it. Mm -hmm. And so I just passed that along in my law school speech and people liked it. And then some podcast picked up the idea called Happen to Your Career. And I was on there talking about uh, the episode was called Success and the Art of Quitting, is what they, um, Scott called it. Mm -hmm. And so it was already in my head that quitting could be a thing, but it was not just a thing. It was like my favorite thing to talk about. And I just thought like, this is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to combine these things. I'm going to combine public speaking and helping people and, and giving advice and quitting. And that's how the whole thing was born. That is so fascinating. And you know what's interesting about that word? Like there, there's, there's this kind of um, edge to that word. I mean, it's different than like, you know, like we therapists, obviously you heard in my intro, I use things like letting go and closure and, you know, and you're like, no, quit, you know? Yes. And yes. so that is an interesting word that you use. But, you know, I... And, and here's the thing that I'm interested in too, because I hear your story, but... Did you ever personally, with all your success, because you said you're always successful, just want to quit, like not do any of this stuff that you're doing right now? Oh, I mean, do I want to be independently wealthy and not have to work at all? That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once you go to med school, let me tell you, Sally Mae is not going to let you quit. <laughs> got a full ride. So yeah, my quarter million in student loans say I cannot quit for some time. Um, I mean, yes, after doing all of those things, definitely at many points you get exhausted physically, emotionally, yeah. all of the ways, but that's the difference. And then that's how I know, like when I get exhausted doing the quitting thing, like, okay, I've done four podcasts today and I've edited a podcast and I've shot a video and I've done three Facebook lives. Like I am physically tired, but I still emotionally feel happy. I may even be kind of just drained but I don't want to quit it. I, I realize it's all like, yes, it's a lot of energy that I expended, but it was positive energy because I got to be in my flow state, which is discussing strategic quitting. Like I have two flow states. Mm -hmm. Well, dancing and music is one and discussing strategic quitting is the other. And it's just a different feeling. So yeah, many times like in residency, I don't know yeah. if, you know, if you're familiar with residency, but you know, you're doing 30 hour shifts and you're working 80 plus hours a week. Many, many times I wanted to quit everything and just hide in a corner and not have to do a thing or be on call, have a page or any of those things, but you know, you have to press on, but through all those things that I fought through, like medical school to residency to fellowship was a 10 year haul. 
And I was kind of like fighting the whole time for this light at the end of the tunnel. And now that I look back, there should there were so many signs that I don't want to say should so many signs mm -hmm. that if I had paid attention to them, maybe I would have made some quits earlier. It's hard to say, like I said, once you're that much <sighs> right. in debt, you often have to do certain things. And that's why the school quits are ones that I I scrutinize very closely and work with people to make sure that like you're going to be able to still do enough to pay off whatever loans you already have. But yeah, there were plenty of times where every sign was like, oh my God, turn around, go back, quit this path. But there, we all have our different stages of life and different times where we are better or worse at paying attention to our intuition. Yes. And, you know, and our rationales for doing things. And, you know, if, if I was going to be a doctor, hell or high water, I was not going to quit halfway. And mm -hmm. after getting through, yes, I'm glad I got through all that. But now that when I head down some different paths and things get a little difficult, I'm like, okay, let's really examine my, my rationale for continuing as opposed to stopping. See, and that's what I wanted to know because, you know, as you're talking, and I'm sure a lot of people are listening to, there's a lot of times in our lives where we want to quit, but we persevere, we push through it, right? So it's like knowing when you push through those times and when do you allow yourself to just simply quit, like you said, where it's good for you? Like, are there certain signs that you teach people in knowing when quitting is good for you? Absolutely. Two big different areas. One is in the signs and one is in more of the general narrative. And I'll talk about the, the narrative first. I mentioned the light at the end of the tunnel and that's what medical school residency fellowship was for me. It was a 10 year tunnel and a light that I was like, sure was super bright. Like I'm going to be a sports medicine doctor and everything's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. And if you are in a similar situation, I would advise looking at how dark and long is the tunnel and how bright is that light. Because if you are, for example, a neurosurgery resident, that is a set like five to seven year, maybe seven year residency on top of four years of medical school. So that's over a decade path. And if you in the first or second year of residency realize, oh boy, I don't love my neurosurgery residency. Well, mm -hmm. would you stick through it all the way to the end? Because guess what's at the end of your neurosurgery residency? More neurosurgery. Like it may not be the yeah, same right. hours, but that's why you need to evaluate what part of this is so dark and difficult for me. If it's mm -hmm. the fact that I'm working 60, 80 hours a week and maybe as a, you know, an attending somebody who's out of residency, I'll only work 40. Okay. That's a little different than I really don't like being on my feet for in a surgery for seven hours. Well, that's not going to change when you get out. So you may want to reconsider at this point whether going for five more years is worth it, or maybe you can make some kind of readjustment, go into a different residency. So that tunnel versus light comparison is a big one. I love that. You know, I do something similar with my clients, um, and I think we're actually in the, totally in sync with this stuff because I call it a cost-benefit analysis, right? So, like, yes. you know, the benefits is the light, and the costs are, you know, your exactly. the dark tunnel. And, but you know, and here I, I find it so interesting that a lot of times what we think is the light, as you put it, or the benefits, as I put it actually costs you a great deal. So in that example that I was telling you about in the beginning, I mean, this woman thought that it was benefiting her and that it, the light was being in 
this kind of like weird zone with this guy because she was just attached to the success of the relationship. But when we dug yeah. deeper, the, yeah, the costs or, you know, the dark darkness was way, way greater than it was. So I would, I'd love to hear like, you know, maybe advice you would give somebody say like in a dating situation, right? So in this instance, maybe, you know, they're dating for like five times and a woman is, is seeing the signs, like you said, yeah. that it's like a lot of dark signs and maybe there's like one light. How can she make that decision? Like in like say five dates, like what could she do to assess okay. that? Okay. So she's only five dates in, in this. Yeah. Scenario. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a little bit different because I was thinking about um, the, how the, the highlight reel is generally what we're playing in our mm -hmm. relationships when we're, when we're having that, should I stay or should I go? Or yes. actually it's worse after you break up because then you only play the highlight reel. And it's like, no, 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 play the low light reel. Like that's, yeah. there's a reason you guys probably broke up. Um, but if you're, you know, f well, this is my gut reaction to that question is if you're only five dates in and you're wondering if you should stay, that's a great time to get out because right? that's, still, yeah. that's the honeymoon period. I mean, I'm no relationship expert, but yeah. if you rough it five dates, I would, I would cut your losses. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm very left-brained. And I'm, mm -hmm. I mean, though I will admit that, you know, relationships are one of the places that where you were talking about earlier, you're afraid of the pain. Well, in my situation, I'm generally afraid of the loneliness. Now I break relationships off so quickly. Uh, mm -hmm. I've, I mean, I'm 41 and I've been in one relationship that's lasted longer than a year because mm -hmm. I know if you're not the one, I'm not wasting anybody's time. And actually I'm wired to where I cannot be in something that's totally out of line with me in a relationship. I get very suffocated and, and like everything in my body will just throw up red flags and I'll get, get out of the situation. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I can't say that I've ever stuck around because of the fear of loneliness, but it's mm -hmm. exactly like you just said, is that you're, you know, what you said is you're avoiding something you're already experiencing. Well, think, you know, all those relationships where I'm not, things aren't going well, but I'm afraid of being alone. I'm probably feeling just as alone right then, except mm -hmm. for it's worse because when you're alone with somebody, you can't fix it. You can't like go right. find another person to be with. Once you're alone right. without that person, you can, you know, put yourself back out there. But when you're like at home with that partner and you're feeling super alone, that's the worst loneliness because you're lonely and trapped you know? Yes. Yes. Well, and what I like what you're saying is, is and we're such a good match because I'm so right brain and you're so left brain that I think we could give some really valuable tools. I know. Because I think when you're caught up in the motion where the right brain is, it's hard to make a decision because we're, we get attached, you know, to something that might feel good, even though in our head, logically it, it doesn't make sense, you know, because all the red flags are there, but it just feels good. Like I'm thinking about the ones that are hot and heavy that, that come in like the tornado relationships that I call it, where it's like, woo, you get swapped off your feet because of the intoxication of the chemistry. But you know full well, logically that like you call them, the signs are there that this isn't good to stay in, that you should quit while you're ahead, <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 And you called okay. it, I think you called it intermittent enforcement. Is that what you called it? Intermittent reinforcement. Okay. Yes. Um, in medicine, and I'm, I'm guessing you guys in, in psychology cover this as well, mm -hmm. but it's a variable yeah. response. 
Uh-huh. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. But okay. explain. For everybody out there, yeah. this is why you cannot, ladies and gentlemen, this is why you cannot get rid of that person who basically generally treats you like dirt, but you like still keep coming back for more. Mm-hmm. It is the same reason. It's called variable interval response. Same reason that when you pull on a slot machine and it doesn't give you anything, you keep pulling. Because what that term refers to is that at some point in time, you will get a response, but it's not every third time you pull. It's not every sixth time you pull. The interval at which it will respond is variable, variable interval response, which means that you remember that one time that your boyfriend or girlfriend Mm -hmm. was good to you and did something awesome. And then you keep going back and going back and pulling that lever over and over, hoping they'll be awesome again. Yep. I love that you brought that up. And guess why Bumble and Tinder are so popular? Because it uses that same part of the brain. Uh. Think about it. Actually, they say it taps into the same part of the brain as like, you know, when you're doing the slot machines. That's why like it can almost have an addictive quality to them. And so even though you may find someone fabulous, you're on swiping to the next. Yeah. if there's something better. But yeah, and we do hang on to like one thing. And that's why I think this is such a good conversation and talking about like when to really know to let go and to quit something from a logical standpoint so that you don't get caught up into some of this, you know, emotional. But, you know, I think, um, you know, for the people who have a hard time with it, in their history, you know, that's the other thing is that sometimes it's a pattern for people. Like in my client that I was talking about before, sometimes it's just like a one-off event, you know, where you're like, yeah, I'm not quite sure. So if it's a pattern, I think that's when you really have to start paying attention to this stuff. Well, yeah. And often it's something more underlying. Like if you continue to stay in relationships way past their expiration date, are you afraid of you? Are you afraid of being alone with you? Like, you need right. to be comfortable being alone with yourself. Like most of these mm. quits are generally multi-layered. You're quitting the relationship, mm. but the, you may have to quit whatever mindset was keeping you there. And that might have been it is their mindset of I'm not a whole person on my own, or I'm too afraid to go out in public as a single person at my age because of what society thinks. There may be other limiting beliefs that you have to quit before you can quit that relationship. Is so that pattern? That's, that's a huge thing to look at. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, is that what you were talking about in terms of the narrative? Like you were talking about signs and the narrative. Do you want to oh, well, talk the narrative about is that the narrative is the, the, the tunnel versus the light. Like if you're telling oh, yourself, I see. okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, okay. Cause I, that, that's from experience. That's what I was telling myself for 10 years. Like the light in the tunnel is sports medicine, but mm-hmm. I know right now it's just dark. Cause I'm in the tunnel, right? That's one way to know, okay, maybe I should be evaluating something that I need to quit. If I keep telling myself there's light at the end of the tunnel. The other thing that I, the, the second part of that is the actual signs. And after getting out of um, sports medicine and realizing, oh, this light isn't so bright. I was in a startup. And for example, during the startup, I started having anxiety and insomnia. Mm. And if an email would go off that was from work, my stomach would sink. And those kinds of signs are what you should be paying attention to and looking out for in your life from here on forth to know whether or not there's something that needs to quit because your head can say whatever it wants to, you know, like, oh, you're not good enough to do this, or you should stay in this for this and that reason. But your body actually knows what's best for you. And it will try Mm. to whisper at you with little like sinking feelings in your stomach or a little bit of heart racing. And then if you don't listen while it's whispering, it will start yelling with acid reflux or panic attacks or insomnia. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things. I mean, and I have been in relationships, I was in one specific relationship where I got this upper back pain and I spent thousands of dollars trying to go to every modality of therapy to get rid of this upper back pain. (laughs) I got rid of the boyfriend, the pain was gone. And I've had that happen multiple times. For me, like bad relationship pain manifests in my back. And I bet many people, if they are able to look retrospectively, there may be some physical symptom that they tend to get when a certain type of thing is not right. Okay, my job's wrong. I get insomnia because I clearly don't like, I'm anxious mm-hmm. about going in the morning, so I'm up all night. Or my relationship's bad, I'm going to get this pain. Maybe that pain makes you not be able to give affection or whatever because you're doubled over in pain. Who knows? But take a look at your patterns and the signs and symptoms that your body is giving you that something isn't working. That is so true. And it's really ironic because I just got off the phone with somebody who was having some symptoms and it was like kind of leaking out in different ways. And because I think, you know, the body reacts in ways, especially when things are suppressed. So if you know you're in something that's not good for you and you're not addressing it head on and you're not expressing it and you're not dealing with it, it will leak out in other ways. It'll be like these somatic symptoms. It can be like just numbing out and, you know, drinking so that you can express yourself when you're not doing it without the alcohol. You know, it's, it's so I think that's also a symptom of, of not really addressing what's not feeling good at the time. Don't you? Oh, absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel like even little things like, what are you trying to distract yourself with? Um, exactly. It may not be, you know, you may be drinking because you want to finally have the courage to let out things, you know, your liquid courage, but you may also be drinking to distract yourself from, oh my gosh, I have to have a glass of wine. My job was so difficult today. So if you Mm -hmm. have habits that you're picking up more than you would like to, that's another thing to take a look at. Why am I reaching for junk food? Why am I reaching for alcohol? Is it because, oh, like right now I really feel like having a Twinkie or is it because I'm in a toxic relationship that makes me feel empty and I'm trying to like feed my feelings, you know, or eat my feelings. Take a yeah. little look at why you're doing things that are used as kind of self-medication techniques. I love this. Now, and so that's really helpful in knowing like kind of the signs and the symptoms on what to look for, when to quit. But then do you actually help people quit? And like, like how do you help people take action? Well, the strategic quitting process has five stages. And so I help people through all five. And the first one is just figuring out whether or not there's something you need to quit. And like I was saying, that's a, a big part of that is tuning into your intuition. Sometimes through journaling, okay, okay, I was fine five minutes ago. Now I feel anxious. What just happened? You know, and so that you can see mm-hmm. some patterns. And then the second step is in narrowing down exactly what needs to go. Like if you're in a relationship and you only get anxious when I don't know, it comes time to like do the dishes and you guys fight over the dishes or whatever. Maybe it's cleaning the house. If you don't have to get rid of the whole relationship, but instead you could just get a house cleaner and you just quit fighting over cleaning the house. (laughs) Amazing, right? Or in a job, if you just don't like the commute and you can ask, can I work from home? Quitting the smallest amount of things as, as possible to make the biggest amount of effect is what we're going for because quitting isn't always easy. So just quit the thing that needs to go. And then step three is overcoming any fears associated with mm. that quit, mostly the fears in your head fears. Step mm-hmm. four, and, and not to say that they're not um, valid fears, I'm just differentiating those 
from step four's quits, which are the logistical fears, like how will I have enough money and is are my relationships prepared for a quit and is my health prepared for a quit? And then step five is enacting the quit in the way that is going to preserve relationships and burn the fewest bridges. And that could be with a job and that could be with your partner or friends or your yoga studio or whatever way, you know, whatever thing you're yeah. trying to quit. Don't burn bridges if you don't have to. You never know. You may want to go back. Quits don't have to be fatal or permanent. And there's no reason to make a bunch of enemies in this world, you know? Right. Go with it's not you, it's me. As often as you can, to get, <laughs> yeah. leave everybody as happy as possible. I love that. And I love how, you know, simple the steps are for people because it's so emotional and it's so overwhelming thinking about, you know, quitting something. And I, I think just, you know, it's the taking action part that I think is the hardest part. And I always encourage people, if you can't do it on your own, yeah, I think it's a good support system to help you through that whole process, whether it's hiring you or me or just having good friends to walk you through it, I think is so powerful. Um, do you have like a success story that you wanted? to share that that you walked through somebody that was pretty like a tough one uh hmm I as a doctor I'm always so like there's you know HIPAA confidentiality who can I who can oh, I talk yeah. about there quit <laughs> yes, out loud maybe. but um well I will share this one um mm -hmm. my lovely sister-in-law she was starting to do real estate and she also was a previous like kind of bikini fitness competitor. I don't know the exact term, um, but you know, she does the thing where she gets up there in a bikini and, and looks ripped. <laughs> and she was thinking about doing another one. And it was right as she was starting real estate. Mm -hmm. Do that. You know, you have to be on the treadmill two hours a day. You have to be watching every calorie and your macros and all this stuff. And she was really on the fence about whether she do it at that time. And I'm saying quits don't have to be permanent. Like just to say, I'm not, I'm going to quit doing training for this oh. thing time doesn't mean you're never going to do it. Right. Like a, somebody on my podcast, she had quit hiking the Appalachian trail and then went back and hiked the Appalachian trail. Like you can quit things and then try later, but. Oh, I'm glad you said that. No, that's, yeah, that's good. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And that's so, permanent. Mm -hmm. no, I mean, most of them are not very few quits are permanent. You can get a divorce and remarry that person. You know, like unless right. you can quit your hair and it'll grow back, you know, like most things will come back or, or can come back. You know, some jobs, if you quit, you can't get back, but many, many of them you can. So anyway, she was just having this, do I do this competition right now or not? And she had kind of started working out the diet, but then she also had to go all to all these mixers for her new job at Coldwell Banker. And I said, like, is this really the time to do it? when you're supposed to be making new clients, which involves like going to parties and actually not just having a cucumber and a piece of ice, you know, like you want right. to be able to share a glass of wine with them or have some cheese or whatever, like you guys do with these little mixers. And I said, like, look at how long you'd have to suffer for this show when, mm -hmm. what are you getting out of the show? And this is something I was going to point out with relationships earlier is like, if they're having a difficult time leaving, mm -hmm. what is their end goal? You know, I said, right. what's your end goal? Your end goal is to get up on stage and feel good for a minute, but also you're putting yourself up to judgment. You might be disappointed on how they judge you. Mm -hmm. You know, you may end up feeling good about yourself, but like how long is that good feeling compared to how many months you're suffering? Yeah. And for people in relationships, most people, obviously not everybody, but the vast majority are trying to find this person, right? The one. They're mm -hmm. at least, if not a married for life person, at least a long-term partner for now. And if you're in a relationship, ask yourself, is this my long-term partner for now? 
Because if they are not, then you have to look at the other side of the coin, which is opportunity costs. Mm-hmm. You cannot be, well, yes, yes, technically you could be in a relationship and be tindering on the side. That's not a karmically awesome thing to do, right? And right. you can't be married, well, mostly cannot be married to two people at the same time. Obviously, like I live in California, there's all kinds of Yeah, all kinds of things happen, right? But, yeah. you know, I'm talking to the vast majority of people who are going with the standard American one marriage thing going on. Right. You know, you, yeah, you can have affairs and you can be fine, but like none of those are the optimal way to find another person. You're only wasting your time and the other person's time if, if you're with somebody who is not your end-all be-all and you know it, but you want somebody who's your end-all be-all. So mm-hmm. if you're enjoying it and you want to just live in the moment, great. But if, like you said, it's bringing you all kinds of struggle and strife and friction, but you're staying because of this variable interval response, like, but every once in a while, he's good to me. I, really? Because if your end goal is to find somebody who's good to you all the time, maybe you should quit that first thing and focus your energy and efforts on finding that other one. Yeah. And you know, what's really important with what you said, and I think there's so many of my clients too, that I help them with is that a lot of people don't have clarity on what it is that they want. You know, they might be caught up in what they think they want or what society says or what their family and friends are doing but they don't have that, like, like you said, the end game and the clarity of where they want to go. Cause I, like I have my clients write mission statements for their dating, (laughs) you know, just like in business so that they get, and and I do it with such clarity, with such specifics so that people know exactly what it is that they're going for. And if it's incongruent with what they're in, at that moment, then there's your answer, you know, and that's when I think you can help people with that process of quitting. So, and I love that you said that nothing's permanent because I think we do, we all have this idea. I, it, really the word quit has this finality to it. And so by you kind of saying, well, maybe it's quitting for now, or maybe you need to quit to get into something that's similar, but maybe in a different form. And that's beautiful. And I think that can really help people move on. So that was awesome. I love this conversation. Me too. I love somebody that already get like, yes, you're on board with all the concepts. You're my right brain version. (laughs) Together we can conquer the fears. I love it. Um, Are there any like kind of parting words of wisdom that you wanted to leave the audience and also let people know how they can find you? Absolutely. Well, in my parting words of wisdom, I so empathize with everybody out there who's holding on to that relationship. I get it. But like you said, it all comes down to when you are on your deathbed, what are you going to look back and think, wow, I wish I'd spent five more years with that guy who doesn't treat me that well. Or I'm really glad I got rid of that so that I could find somebody who, who treats me better, who's better in line with me so I could spend more years with that person. Like you mm-hmm. do not want to be on your deathbed with more regrets than you need. I mean, a regret is only if you look back and, and you can't have gotten something good out of it. You can look back and find the good in most things, but very often, like if you're already in a position where things aren't going well, you will have fewer regrets if you just cut your losses and find something that's better f- for you. There's no medal of honor for sticking most of these things out. That's what society has trained us to think. Like stick, mm-hmm. that, stick that bank job out for 40 years. No, that is our parents and their parents' generation. There is no medal of valor for staying in something that's bad for you. It's a courageous move to quit, but it is the right move very often. 
So just don't keep doing the Bumble and Tinder thing though, either, right? It's the pendulum. We have to have balance somewhere in between. So it's not like, you know, skipping over the things. So in fear of being hurt and it's not staying in things too long that you know is not good for you. It's somewhere in between. So I love this. Where can everyone find you? Yeah. By the way, I do not want a word of what I said to be misinterpreted as Bumble for the rest of your life. Because... (laughs) That is not what I meant. That is just I, no, I know that. I just don't want the listeners to think that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm saying like, hey, listeners, none of quitting by design is like, go Tinder yourself into an oblivion because that essentially to me, if you're doing that, there's a plenty of things that you need to quit because that means you just need a distraction mm-hmm. or maybe you need to quit pretending like you want to be in a relationship because you don't, you know? Exactly. Um, that, yeah. So if you're a chronic whatever swiper and never want to be in a relationship, this is this is not the talk for you. I'm talking to the people who are stuck in the bad relationship right, or, right. or hanging on to, to that Tinder person for five dates too long, whatever the situation is. Um, where they can find me is you can find my book, Quitting by Design, on Amazon. You can also find it at my website, which is quittingbydesign.com. I have a podcast called Quit Happens, where I have people on who have successfully quit things. Thank you. And <laughs> you can find me on Instagram, Facebook at Quitting by Design, and on YouTube there as well. Oh, oh and if, and if, and if yeah. you do want to work with me because you are stuck in one of these things, go to quittingbydesign.com. There's a little coaching tab. Fill out your stuff and we will have a chat. I love it. I love it. So you heard it. Quitting is winning, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. This has been the Charisma Quotient, and I'm your host, of course, Kim Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And if you're looking for a good kick in the butt and quit your old habits and relationships so that you can win a date, sign up for a free breakthrough call with me as always. And you can book that right here by clicking on the link in the show description and stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day. 